Wonderful. Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this morning that we can come to listen to your word. I pray you guide my words, my thoughts, that they will bring glory to you first and foremost, and that they will bless, to be a blessing to everyone that is here. I ask that all that is done will be directed by your spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I don't know, I hope what is up there is clear, it's visibly clear, it can be seen. Because I'm sometimes not sure whether my font is adequate. Now, Matt and the crew are the ones that make us use this technology. <laughs> so, and we have to use it. That means sometimes we have to uh, put Bible verses up there. But you might find it hard to believe I do have a Bible. So, I mark my Bible. In fact, it's even more advanced than that. I have one here now, which can be highlighted. So technology is taking us far, but the word of God must be transferred from here to here or from there to here. So ultimately, what is important is that we take the word in. So I'm saying this so that uh, you don't get all upset because they, we've put the word there. It's not out of disrespect for the word. It's simply trying to use technology to communicate the word of God. Okay? So, and if I tend to move up and down again, it's not out of disrespect for you or the word. It's just, uh, I feel animated sometimes, and so I just like to move up and down. So, I'm telling you this so that you can bear with me, perhaps because you are new to some of this, just as I am. All of that is not out of disrespect. It's just trying to communicate. The important thing this morning is not to look at me, but to look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So I'm speaking this morning on what I've titled, Jesus and the Impossibles. I'm sure many things seem very impossible. For example, when you have a baby, it looks sometimes impossible that the baby would ever talk or walk, but it happens. To the babies, say, take a step. The baby will take a step and then fall down and then stuff like that. So I'm going to speak on Jesus and the impossible. The goal is to lift up Jesus, to set your eyes focus on him so that you might bring what you consider your impossibility to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we all have what we call impossibles. Why read and study and meditate on the scriptures? Why should we read the Bible? And why should we make it a point to study it, to meditate on it? Romans 15 verse 4 gives us a reason as believers. It says, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We can live without many things, but one of the things we can live without is hope. There must be hope 
hoping for a better day, hoping for a better future, hoping for improvement, hoping for things to get better in some fashion for us to be able to live. A story is told, this is true, of a prisoner of war that was uh, caught in Vietnam. And um, the captives told him that in three months' time they would release him. So this prisoner of war was well-behaved and... uh, he was looking forward to the day when he would be released. And so he tended to have everything all together, a young man. And at the end of three months, the captives did not, um, did not keep their word. They delayed, they delayed, they delayed. And the young man started losing hope. First, he wasn't eating, he wasn't drinking, and within a very short time, he passed away because his hope was gone. So we need hope, and the Bible is full of message of hope. That's the reason why you should read the Word. You will find encouragement from studying the Word, from different lives, different situations, different experiences, and how God interfered in the affairs of men what people considered impossible. And that can give you strength in your own journey to go on. So that's why we need to study and read the scriptures. That's one reason. Of course, ultimately, surrendering your life to the Lord Jesus Christ gives you living hope. Hope that doesn't fade away. Hope for eternity. So, again, for the believer, you need to study the word to find hope. For the non-believer, you need to study the word to find living hope so that you may surrender to Jesus Christ and make him the Lord and Savior of your life. What we should do when we read the word, trust in the Lord. These are simple passages, familiar passages, but this says this in Proverbs chapter 3 from verse 5 to 6, Solomon was giving a message to his son. And this is what he told his son. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So the believer is expected, is required to trust God. And the way you trust God is not to lean on your understanding. Let's read this other translation. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go is the one who will keep you on track. I'm sure there are many things we can figure out, but there are some things in life that are just difficult to figure out. And so we need to trust God. Remember the title of the message, Jesus and the Impossibles. Let's move on. Why should we trust God? Hebrews 16 verse 11 verse 6 says this. For without faith or trust in the living God, it is what? Impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must, it's not optional, 
must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's possible to do the impossible. You can do the impossible. I can do the impossible by not trusting God. Because without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. And the believer's goal in life is to be pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that requires constant faith, daily faith, faith in all circumstances and in every situation, faith in the one that holds the future and faith in the one that saved us. So God's view on impossibilities. I'm sure there are many impossibilities. And um, I'm going to point out five scriptures. And two incidents or two events. That's the essence of the message. Now, impossibilities are things that we think are not possible. So let me define it so that it's clear in your mind. It's not possible for this to happen. It's not possible for that to happen. My circumstance is an impossible one. There's nothing anybody can do about it. Those are, that's what I call impossibilities. And God has a view on impossibilities. Impossible scriptures, a few of them. Jeremiah, while praying to God, after God asked him to do the impossible, what he considered impossible, or what he, he considered as a senseless act, he said this. Ha, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. So, at this time, I'd like you to read Jeremiah 32 for yourself. That's why I'll give you a very brief description of the synopsis so that you can read and see what happened. The Israelites were taken as captives, or the Judean people were taken as captives by Nebuchadnezzar, and they were slaves. In fact, they were invaded and taken away, and God asked Jeremiah to go and buy a piece of real estate that he's going to own. And Jeremiah looked at it and said, why should I buy real estate when we are going to be captives forever? What's the point? He said, well, since you've said it, I'm going to do it. And then he began to pray to God. This is part of his prayer. He said, ha, Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. I mean, he was thinking, I'm going to be a slave. We are not going to come back. We are going to be in captivity forever. So what's the point? Well, in praying to God, he made that statement. So nothing is too hard for God. That's what Jeremiah tells us. And after he had finished praying, God responded. Oh, sorry. This is my slide. Just want you to put in, see my dot, dot, dot says, put your impossible there. My impossible things, hard for God. Whatever it is, I don't know what your impossible is. is. I will list a few shortly so that you might fall into your category. So God responded, the same chapter to Jeremiah. 
He says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything that is too hard for me? It's a rhetorical question. Is there anything that is too difficult for me? That was God's response. And in thinking about this, maybe I and, my, and you, we can ask ourselves some questions. Is my blah, blah, blah. Is my health condition too hard for God? Is my family situation too hard for God? Is my bad habit or good habit too hard for God? Is my schooling too hard for God? Put whatever your impossibility is on the list. And then you begin to see that God calls impossibilities what? Nothing. He doesn't see them as impossibility. There's no such vocabulary in the, in the dictionary of God. And that's the God that we serve. Again, another impossible scripture. When we go to Luke chapter 1 verse 37, I believe this was mentioned a while back. After the angel had spoken to Mary, saying you are going to have a child without having slept with a man or having known a man, you are going to have a child. And Mary <laughs> was curious. How can this be, since I do not know a man? Of course, Angel Gabriel explained how it will be, but this is how the angel ended, for with God. For with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. That's number three, impossible scripture. I like this slides thing because it moves things very quickly. It doesn't mean we'll finish at 12. It just moves things quickly. <laughs> With God, I put some dot, 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 dot there. Whatever it is will be impossible. Put it in. You think about it, whatever your circumstance or whatever situation you're thinking about. It could be worried about our government or the future or whatever it is. Nothing will be impossible. And then Jesus, a, a rich man met Jesus, and Jesus said to the rich man, go and sell all that you have and come and follow me. And the man was sad. And then Jesus turned to his disciples and says, <coughs> uh, then Jesus said this way, he said, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples said, who then can be saved? Is what Jesus said. He said, with God is possible. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. So what we call impossible, God calls it what? Possible. And we are God's children. That means our impossibilities can be turned into what? Possible with God. 
impossible scriptures. I have said, Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth. Nothing is too hard for thee. And God asked the question, Is anything too difficult for me? And Angel Gabriel said with God, Nothing shall be impossible. And Jesus said, The things that are impossible with men are impossible with God. Friends, this is why you need to read the scriptures and own it. So that when your mind is saying impossible, you remind yourself of the word of God. So that when the circumstance says it's not possible, you remind yourself that this is what God says. And I'm a child of God. So you need to read the scriptures to own it so that you can trust in God. Another impossibility. Now this was on the day of Pentecost. And Peter was preaching. And as he was preaching, he came to a point, he said this to the crowd, this man, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hand of godless men and put him to death. But, but God, but God raised him up again putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. You know, when people die, we normally say goodbye and we think this is the end. But when Jesus died, it was impossible for death to hold him. That's what he says. There was no option for death. He couldn't hang on to him because it was impossible for death to hold him. And this is who we have as our Savior. God raised him up, putting an end to the agony of death because it was what? Impossible. Impossible for death to hold him. So it was guaranteed, even before the Lord Jesus died, that he would be resurrected. Death could not hold him. Impossible scriptures. Ah, Lord God, you've made the heavens and the earth. When you look at things and you think it's impossible, it's always sometimes good to go out and look at creation, what God has done. And remind yourself that no human being could do this. It's only God that could do this. And sometimes it's good to look at the various flesh that God has made because God said, I am the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Almost like stay at creation and then get a sense that God is bigger than your issue, is bigger than my issue, is bigger than my problem. Nothing is too hard or too difficult for him. And just thinking of this uh, impossible with regard to death. When the women went to look for Jesus, remember what they said? The angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He couldn't be. He's risen. And of course, when Jesus showed up at the island of Patmos and John was there, he told him, I am he that was dead. And behold, I'm alive for how long? 
forevermore. We are serving a God that does the impossible. To be able to conquer death is a great impossibility for every other person apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. But he did. And it's alive today. And we are God's children. That means our impossibilities can be turned to the possible. Let's remind you. You see, my words are not um, as, as, as strong as God's word. Even if you don't remember what I say, remember the scriptures. Remember the scriptures and owned it. Owned it and think about the word of God because that's what makes the difference. In fact, God, Moses was take, talking to Joshua. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night so that you may have good success and make your way prosperous. So the word of God is what we need. And of course, someone says, blessed is the man who delights in God's word. He says, it shall be like a tree planted by the streams of water. So we need to meditate, read, own it. Play it, make it your own, and think about it. So that you might have a proper view of God and what he can do. Impossible scriptures. Those are the ones we just read. All right, name your impossibility. I try to jog memories, so I put a list of impossibilities that might be yours. You can add yours to the list. These are all kinds of possibilities. My work situation is just impossible. My whatever it is, my business, my family situation, my health situation, my marriage, my children, my whatever it is you consider impossible, put them on the list. Name yours. Or my inability to stand this preacher, it's just impossible. Add that to the list because God can help you. So name your impossibility. Remember Romans chapter 15 verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So I put some names there because whatever we consider impossibility, somebody else has faced it. Did you notice something about the Bible? It has a lot of biographies. Short clips of people's lives and their experiences and how God intervened. So that we might have hope when we read the scriptures. That our situations are not unique. They're not outside of what God can handle and what he can deal with. So name your impossibility and let's look at it. All right. Having given you the big picture, we are going to zoom in to some impossibilities now. Encounter with Jesus and how he handled impossibilities. Now, I think I've spoken for a, a while. How about we... Let's go back, if we can, to that. Encounter with Jesus. It was a large crowd. It was an impossible situation. Let's read the familiar story together. What is interesting is that so many events in the Bible are so familiar that we fail to forget how impossible 
they are. For example, the feeding of 5,000 people it doesn't happen. It has never happened again. But we read and say, oh yeah, he fed 5,000 people, yeah, and then we moved on. We need to ponder on the scriptures and see the impossible. Because we are dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who knows no impossibility in his vocabulary. So let's read. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jew, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that this may eat? But this is said to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five belly loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, notice, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled tw 12 baskets with the fragments of the five belly loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they saw the sign, said, truly, this is the prophet that should come. And they were ready to make him king. All right. Uniqueness of this miracle. Those are the things I want to cover. The characters in the miracle, one central person, outcome of the miracle, much more than they expected. All right. Now, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 people is unique. It's the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. Because it left an impact. And by the way, the 5,000 says 5,000 what? Men. And so that means there probably were women there and possibly children. So it's 5,000 plus. Also, it's the only miracle that Jesus performed in front of a large crowd. So that there was no guesswork. It wasn't, mm, we thought, you know, he said it happened and we are not sure it happened. So he did it in front of the crowd. And it's, it's the first time he asked somebody, what are we going to do? Even though he knew what he was going to do. And this can be called an absolute miracle. There's absolutely no doubt 
you can't fake it. You can't explain it away. You can't find a way to say, mm, maybe not. All right, so on this particular day, the Lord Jesus, I mean, if you read all four Gospels, you will see different flavor, different variation of these miracles. So, but we'll stick with the one in John. But to get the complete picture, read all four Gospels. It spoke to Philip. Remember him? Let's go back. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, verse 5, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread? That this may eat. Notice why he asked him. He said, but this is said to test him. For he himself knew what he was going to do. And what does Philip say? Jesus said, where shall we buy bread? Philip says, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. He's looking at the crowd, the size of the crowd. And then Jesus said, where are we going to get bread? He said, well, with this crowd, we shouldn't be talking about where. We should be talking about where are we going to get the cash to buy the bread. What Jesus expected Philip to say is, I don't know. You are the one that can handle the impossible. I don't know where we are going to get bread. But Philip said, well, you are talking about where we are going to buy it. I don't see the cash. It's not going to happen. And as this was going on, one of the disciples was looking around to see somebody that brought lunch. It seems weird because nobody asked him anything. His name is Andrew. He said, well, well, there's a small boy here with five loaves and two fishes. You hear five loaves, you think, oh, wow, those long loaves from Dempster or whatever. No, it's just five flat slices of bread. He says, there is a small lad here. Jesus, you're talking about bread. I'm not talking about buying. See, there is a small boy here with five loaves. And I like to suggest to you that Andrew must have gotten the bread from the little boy. I don't know how he did it, but he convinced the lad to give the bread. And so he showed it to Jesus and then Andrew should have stopped there when he said, this is a small boy and this is the bread. He could have just stopped there. But then he went on. He says, what are they among so many? I can see an impossible situation. I can see hungry people. There's nothing that can be done. Five loaves, two fishes. I think the best thing we can do is to do what? Send them away. You see, they looked at the situation and they failed to look at Jesus. They focused on the circumstance and failed to focus on the one who handles the impossible. Friends, I'd like to suggest to you that they are not different from you and me. We tend to pay more attention to the situation and to the circumstance and we don't give as much attention to the Lord. So, Jesus is almost literally just ignored them. 
He said, okay, I have the five loaves, the two fish, make the people sit down. And so the people sat down. And then he, he took the bread, he prayed. And notice what he did. He brought his 12 disciples after he prayed. He handed some to Philip, Andrew, Peter, Matthew. He gave them. He said, okay, distribute to the people. And friends, I don't know if you can imagine, you know, five loaves being handed to these people after the Lord prayed and then they start distributing. Just put on your imagination and think, what happened to the bread as they were distributing? Something must have happened that is impossible to explain. Because they must have been multiplying as they were handing. You know, it's almost like somebody picks one and then you think you have three left and then by the time you look at it, it's now five. Another person picked, then you think you have five left by the time you look at this. It's almost like everyone was getting and he says they got as much as they wanted. So if you had limited appetite, one is enough. If you are like me that loves to eat, <laughs> this is your day. So, you know, you, you keep going. And the Lord was doing the impossible before their eyes. How could they forget? That is why all the gospel writers captured this story to let us know that the Lord Jesus doesn't know what is called impossible. And this is the God that we serve. 5,000 people plus fed and they got as much as they wanted. And you know, the Lord wanted to teach them more lessons. And what did he do? Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Twelve disciples, twelve baskets of fragments. Every one of them gathered up and then they had twelve baskets. I can assure you that they will never forget this when they think on the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, the Lord Jesus doesn't know. He doesn't understand what is impossible. We live in an age where we try to explain away the word of God to make it sound like it's not relevant for today. In Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 we read, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. And he knows that as believers, as individuals, we face impossibilities and he can come into impossible situations and change the circumstance. So this is what happened. You are familiar with the story. Now, Ephesians 4 tells us something. The Lord Jesus is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. But you need to ask, and you need to think. Think on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he can do. I believe he can intervene in your impossible situation. Another story, because our time is moving and it has moved fast. But one man's impossible situation, because I want to personalize this. I want to bring it home to you and to me. In Matthew chapter 9, there was a man that brought his son to the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, and when he came down, 
It's, this is how it goes. And I've taken out a few verses because of time. Just put that in together. So I'd like you to read the scriptures. Own it, own it. Read it and own it and meditate on it. Make it part of your life. It helps you to think. I hate to use the word, think big. Not because you are a big person, but because you have a big God. One that can handle impossible. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son. Isn't that what we are supposed to do with our impossibilities? He said, I brought you my son. So bring your impossibility to the Lord, who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and became rigid. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said to him, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, this is the man talking to the Lord Jesus. Have compassion on us and help us. No one has greater compassion than Jesus. No one has compassion on people than Jesus. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. This is a burden. You can see, you can see the emotion. He has been going through this pain for so long. And then he came to Jesus and says, if you can, help us. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. Do you notice the two, if you can? If you can help, the man said to Jesus. And what did Jesus say to the man? If you can, believe. And the man with tears, he had come to the end of the road. He cried, said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And of course, if you keep reading, you see what happened. The Lord Jesus intervened and brought solution to the man's problem. Jesus said to him, this is a verse you should hang on to. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Did you notice that he uses the word all? And Jesus is the one speaking. Did you notice he uses the word to him? I have a sense that to him is more than the man. It extends to you, to me. And to all of us. That it wasn't just, the message wasn't just for him. It was for all those that believe. So, time is gone. We have to have a summary. So what? That's the end of the message. So what? How to handle impossibilities. Give the Lord Jesus the right recognition in your heart. Don't place him at our level. We tend to think of him the way we think of other people. He's God. He's different. Cultivate and grow your faith in Jesus by reading, studying, and meditating on the scriptures. We can't put the Bible to the shelf and not study it. Take your impossibilities to Jesus and leave it there. 
I remember growing up as a young child, we had a plug, you know, when you came into a house that my dad had, what was written this? Why worry when you can pray? Take it to Jesus. Worry takes so much energy. Prayer takes less energy. And the Lord Jesus can handle it. So take your impossibilities to him. Better yet, take all your concerns to the Lord daily. And expect a good outcome from the Lord. The Lord is compassionate, is kind, and he understands your pain and your difficulty. He's not one that likes to stay away and let you suffer. No, he cares. Remember, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. There is no impossibility in God's language, and we are God's children. The Lord loves us. And he cares for us. Like Jeremiah of old, we say nothing is too difficult for you. And my circumstance is not beyond your control. We're going to sing. And we are done. So let's pray. And then we will sing in Christ alone. As we close. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. The master of the impossible. Help us to cultivate our faith in him, to trust him, and to lean on him. Thank you for your word that is written to give us hope and encouragement in the midst of life trials and circumstances. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.